Welcome back to Two Crees in a Pod. Leading into today's episode, I want to demonstrate gratitude and be thankful to our ancestors who risked their lives and their freedom to ensure that we could speak our Indigenous languages and that we could practice our ceremonies today. Ai hai, nanaskam one. So welcome to Two Crees in a Pod. We are in episode four of season three, and today we have Mr. George Desjardins uh joining us and i'm gonna hand it over to you george just to introduce yourself in the best way um that you would like to my name is stone bear i'm from the uh, frog lake cree first nation in northeastern alberta and um First thing I'd like to do is uh, translate uh, Muskiki. Like too often we get caught up in trying to fit our our Neheo Aisitsugiwana, our Neheo ways, or into a Western language. And uh, when we talk about uh, Muscosia or plants, we have to talk about the real meaning. And over the years I've been trying to learn plants through the proper form. I know there's apps and Google and all that, but I've been raised to, fortunately by a extended family and my parents to learn the proper origins of a lot of these plants. And the first thing is the language is so key. And Mus Muskegee is, uh, I've, I've heard a different few different translations for this word, but uh, Muscosia means plants, and Kikiwin is uh, healing or helping. And that's what these plants do for us. And too often we, we, we uh, use the term uh, medicine, and that's, that's not our word. And medicine is used to treat you when you have symptoms or you're already sick. Hmm. And uh, I grew up taking teas and picking medicines to prevent uh, any illness, to strengthen our body and our immune system. And fortunately for me, I've had a, a lot of good teachers over the years and learning uh, stories. And I think the biggest thing as I remember as I was uh, thinking about today's session was uh, the emotional attachment I had to all these teachings. Many times it was uh, a happy story or a happy moment. And we tend to remember things better when we have that emotional attachment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would, um, I, and my mind is already going because when you said prevention rather than medicine being something that we take when we're already sick that just mm -hmm. a light bulb went off in my mind because I think that sometimes when we and me and you have talked about this Terry about maybe medicine or ceremony going like we go to those places when we're in a space of like desperation or mm -hmm. not knowing what else to do Whereas how you just explained it was around that preventative piece and that it's part of your life 
it's not just something you access when you're when you're already sick which i think is really profound for people to hear uh, well growing up uh, i can remember back as being a five-year-old and people would come to see my dad's dad and uh, mm. they would stay like three four days and do what was necessary to get the the help before they went home mm. and uh, as uh, as native people today we have to evolve to use the the technology and whatnot to our advantage but we can't forget the uh, protocols and the traditions mm. those we have to be maintain and I think sometimes we we get caught up in that western mode of thinking and we want things fast mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes we, we go to ceremony we don't have to be sick or want anything just to be gratitude to mm -hmm. be grateful mm -hmm. you know and bank those prayers for when you are sick mm -hmm. you know you have that speaking for you already and it's uh, so uh, so interesting, you know, I remember it's, I've always had a, a good memory and I think that's one of the things like why I guess I was groomed from a young age by my parents they, to pick and, and when I was growing up I didn't even know I was being taught, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, spend, I thought I was spending time with my dad because mm -hmm. my mom would go hunting and, and I, I was, uh, as I grew up I started to realize like not everyone lives like this, you know, and mm -hmm. now I'm getting paid to talk about my life, hmm. you know, and as being the youngest of a family of eight, like, I'm the youngest, but I spent the most time with my parents, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything, hmm. because I have that, that connection with them through this, hmm. for all the teachings and the medicines and when to pick, how to pick, and we can go on and on. Mm -hmm. I remember you talk about gratitude in ceremony, and I remember uh, my relative in Kihiwin, uh, Doreen Musipil, hmm. and we, uh, I sundance with, beside her every year, and uh, I think it was probably the end of my four years, uh, my fourth year, and she was sitting with me and she was talking about that, she said, I'm here this year just to give thanks. Hmm. I'm here this year just to be grateful for the life that I have. You know, and, and the years previous, I was, I was, I had committed to dancing for my sister. And so just to give thanks at that time, you know, that she was well and have continued dancing ever since. Um, and just, again, being grateful for the life that I have you know and for mm -hmm. having a healthy family and I think that's so important that we need to remember that uh, in ceremony and you know you talk about the preventative as well mm -hmm. around our medicines you know and my dad has been giving me you know medicines throughout this whole COVID you know and it's it's you know make sure you're drinking your tea and he'll deliver you know to the doorstep and it's ensuring that we're not sick, but this is what you need to do. You need to make sure that you're smudging and you're praying with this and that you're drinking this, you know, make sure your kids are drinking this. And so that it's, you know, it's not something that, you know, we start taking when we get sick, yeah. so to speak. And so, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and, and maybe George, you can, now that we're talking about 
um, you know, picking and, and, and Muskegee and, and the stories that you've already started to share. One of the things that I've been asked repeatedly because of my role, uh, you know, teaching here at McEwen, um, but also just out in the community from folks who may not have had the, the ability or the privilege of, of knowing. Um, can you tell us about the story of the tobacco? Why do we use tobacco? That's uh, probably, uh, I remember, probably when I was about eight, the first time I got taught mm -hmm. about offering tobacco. And um, it goes into our creation story of our Estesino, our, our big brother, Wasaki Chuck. Mm -hmm. Wasaki Chuck had left our people and he went to the southwest, southeast. Mm -hmm. And our, we sent four elders because we needed help. And um, eventually they, they found him again and they sat in front of him. And the creation story is very long and we don't have much time, but uh, I'll just answer the question regarding tobacco. The, the four elders had found him and Wasaki Chak had told them, for whatever it is you've come for, I'll grant it to you. Our people are starving. We need uh, to uh, have success when we hunt. Mm. So Wasaki Chak said, is that what you want? He says, yes, that's what I'd like. So Wasaki Chak reached behind and then he brought forth tobacco, not the tobacco we know as now, the traditional tobacco plant, but mm -hmm. it's evolved to what it is now, to pipe tobacco, cigarette tobacco. But he gave him the tobacco and told him, when hunters are going hunting or people are going to fish, you pray and you offer this tobacco to the spirit of that animal because you're taking its life so you can continue yours. Mm -hmm. So that is the, the short version of that story but why it's we use tobacco and it's not only for when we uh, go hunting or gathering it's also when we we want to acquire knowledge mm -hmm. um, sometimes we don't even know we're being taught and we forget to offer tobacco but when it, it means something and you feel that i should give something and that's when you should be presenting tobacco mm -hmm. and uh, i know i work in uh a non-native institution as well and we get caught up using the word protocol and uh, in the simplest form is offering tobacco sometimes we kind of intimidate people by using that word protocol because you uh, you say that and they get a sense of some sort of formality and I better not mess this up you yeah. know make them tense and it's really in the simplest form just offering tobacco and just requesting some sort of help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're speaking about um, offering tobacco uh, when we are hunting and I, I, I kind of want to move into that direction and I know that you've shared uh, with me previously um, there's a hunting story around the moose story um, and I was hoping that you could share that with our listeners today. Uh, the uh, the story I was shared with was like from my my dad. I don't remember how old I was, but we were we were hunting, and you know when you're taking a 
most part and uh, it's a long process and back then my dad would like stop we'd make a fire and because it wasn't winter and there was already snow on the ground it was mm -hmm. cold so we're warming up in the truck there and he started telling me the story a long time ago because I had asked him that day why did you put that that bell and tobacco in the tree and he told me the story and a long time ago there was these um this family at night this moose family had entered this lodge it was a big lodge they came to rest for the night they all took their turns around the lodge and there was a young moose old moose and at the head as we know it in the head of the lodge was a, a big bull and a lead cow and then there was a young bull sitting by the door all of a sudden through the door this this pipe had come in this pipe would come and was floating and it would stop at each animal made its way around made its way to the head bull and the lead cow and they didn't smoke it eventually it got around back to the door again and where this young bull was sitting this young bull looked around the lodge and, and he took that pipe and he smoked it and then that pipe left the lodge. And then the old bull looked at that young bull and said, you know what you just did? No, I don't know. There's, there's hunters not far from us. They're offering a pipe. And by you taking that pipe, you've put us in danger because they're praying for a successful hunt and by you taking that pipe, you gave it to them. You mm. put someone in danger. Mm. Oh, I'm young, they won't catch me. He, he was a young bull, he said, I'm strong, I can run fast. They won't keep up to me. So the sun came up the next day and you could hear them. Snowshoes were crunching and the hunters were getting closer to the, the, the moose and that young bull trying to run away but eventually they had caught him and the family again had returned to the lodge that night so they uh, they took their places and they realized that the young bull didn't return so they that moose family started to pray and remind one another why we don't take that pipe when it comes hmm. So after they had done praying, in comes that young bull. But this time it was his spirit, mm -hmm. you know. And he told them, he said, you know, they respected every part of my body. They're gonna use every part of my body. Offering me tobacco so that I can travel to the spirit world. Mm -hmm. They honored and respected me and they put that bell and tobacco in a tree so it'll be carrying my spirit up. So now that when we, we go hunting, you know, it's always important to remember to smudge your guns and offer that tobacco. And if you can, are you able to smoke a pipe? Or even if you're successful after you smoke a pipe, after you, you're done. Like for myself, picking starts for me in April with uh, birch water. 
Mm. And throughout the, and and I, I got to keep track of the uh, the lunar cycle from then. Mm. Phases of the moon, because I can, I can have a rough idea when the sweet grass will be ready. Mm-hmm. So I got to know like, when, when to plan around Sundance and picking season, because after the plants start to get ready, every time, every week or phase of the moon, there's four plants that are ready to be picked. Hmm. And uh, it happens like that right from April until October. And again, uh, another story I heard regarding medicine or Muskegee was this uh, this young uh, this young man. He used to this girl would only see this young man in summer, spring, and in the fall. He would leave, and she didn't like. She she knew him since he was a young girl and he was a young boy, and she was like curious, like, where does he go? You know, where does he go? Mm-hmm. And again, in, in the language, you know, we we lose the translation, and so she and she found this boy in the spring. Her family had returned, so he followed her. She followed him out. I mean, and. Uh, and he was starting to teach her about muskie. He would show her plants all summer and spring. And he had pointed out muskie awa. Muskie awa. And he would teach her how to make it, how to use it, what part of the plants to use, different berries, different things to pick. All summer he taught her muskie awa. And then she said, I want to meet your family. Well, if you meet my family, you might think different of me. That's why I'm still a single man. No, I, I want to be your wife. She told him. I said, well, maybe when you meet my family, you'll change. But if you can uh, honor that, after you meet my family, then I'll honor it too, he said. Hmm. So she followed him. By then, it was already the fall. Hmm. And it was, he started to look back at her and he told her, once we go in here, there's no turning back. Hmm. So he sat, as he started to step over that, into the, that teepee, that lodge to meet his parents, she noticed as she was, as his foot went into the, the lodge, it started to become black hair. And she he went in and she said, I love him. She went in too. And that's when she walked in, she looked up. She realized that that family was bears, masqua, musky ki awa. That's why in the language, masqua, they teach you that, muskosia, the language, and the connections. It's so important to learn those when we uh, we learn or teach these medicines. Boy, my phone's just real Cree. I was typing mus. I was gonna type muskie. Oh, it just typed it already. <laughs> oh, that's such a beautiful story. That's such a beautiful story. They're both really beautiful stories, and I think that you know. 
I think that there's so much knowledge in um, in our stories. And I was thinking about Saturday Saturday night. I went hunting on Sunday, but Saturday night, you know, going to bed and I meditate every night. But <clears throat> I was in prayer and I was focused and I was meditating on prayer, knowing that I was going out to hunt the next morning. You know, and it's difficult sometimes in that prayer to ask for an animal to give its life for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sincerely doing that and then, you know, smudging and we got up early and, and smudging and praying that morning and, you know, and then, you know, picking up the elder and then, you know, him telling us that we were going to get it right when we got there. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and I believed him. Hmm. I believed him when he said it. I was like, we are like, this is, this feels like it. And, you know, and then you know, after shooting the moose and then I went, I went to the moose and I, I offered tobacco right away and again in prayer, but that, that sadness too, mm. right? Like you're grateful, but there's this piece of sadness because this animal again gave you its life to feed your family. Mm. And, you know, I had my 10 year old daughter there and she, um, when we went to offer in the tree, she came with me and i explained and i got to sit with her and explain why and the respect that we have for all beings mm -hmm. all beings regardless of like being an animal whether that is plants you know that is berries that we are always ensuring that we have respect and that tobacco is always offered and the meat that we were offering um in the tree as well so i just yeah i really appreciate that story Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the other stories I, I share is uh, around sweetgrass. You know, uh, a lot of people are given a braid of sweetgrass and they don't understand the, I guess, the magnitude of what it means. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I remember after uh, when we go to sweetgrass or Frog Lake in Cahewan for the, the sun dances, it was always right around sweetgrass picking time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, I was probably about 10 or 11 when we started picking sweetgrass, but my mom's uh, youngest brother, my late uncle Edgar, was uh, really neat about how he picked. Very clean, and he taught us how to pick without taking the roots, because, you know, you take the roots, you won't have anything left. and. Uh, one of the things he taught us was how to braid. And uh, every one of his braids was always the same amount of hair. Hmm. I mean, same amount of grass. Yeah. You know, if he's braiding and he's counting his, hair, his uh, blades of grass and he realizes he's short, he's calling you, you know, dig with him, go get five more. You know, nephew, go get five more blades of grass so I can have enough. Hmm. And we asked, like, as we, again, as we got older, we asked him, like, why do you always use the same amount, you know, 13, hmm. you know, when uh, in braiding 13 for each, it's what, there's 41 blades, right? Hmm. So it'd be those 13 full moons in a year, mm -hmm. you know, that lunar cycle. And then uh, what we call insto, nisto tomato, and that mind, body, and spirit. And when we we have a braid of sweetgrass, we gusk mm. and we light it. We gusk us eat the moan that 
that uh, smudge or smoke rises where we can't go. Mm. Our prayer goes up with that. Mm. And that's what it's, it does. But one of the stories we were told when we were kids, of course it was at night, you're trying to go to bed, right? And go to bed or you'll get the choo-choo man will grab you <laughs> and then tell you a scary story. And this is one of the stories. <laughs> So we were, it was in the middle of a, a sweetgrass season and we were um, gathered there and he was telling us, I think we were braiding actually. And at that time we were just like 10 and 11 and he did the braiding, you watched because, you know, we weren't, I guess, clean enough to braid the way he wanted it done. And you would tell us the story and it was a long, long time ago, and there was these, uh, this camp, and these kids would go missing, you know, all ages of kids, they would go missing. So it came to be that the, the leader or the headman of this camp, his son had gone missing, his young boy. And he, uh, this man had went out, he left the, he left his lodge and he went out and he began to pray, pray for some help, you know, because he knew his son wasn't gone, but he was missing. He had that feeling that he needed to look for him. So they had, uh, so he started to pray. And as he prayed, you know, the wind picked up, you know, he started to, the grass started to move and as he prayed, you know, oh, Nistes, he heard a voice. Hey, brother. He's looking around, he didn't see anyone. Oh, Te, from the ground, he heard that, calling him to look down. So he looked down and the grass was swaying. You know. I'm sure you've both seen the sweet grass mm -hmm. swaying. It was swaying. I'll help you. He said, uh, I'll help you. You come back here. I'll show. I'll show you how to use this, hmm. this medicine. So he went to his, returned to his lodge, and at night he fell asleep, and then he had this dream. And there was this, this man had come to him. He said, "I'll, I'll help you get your 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 son back." Hmm. It was the same voice he heard when he was praying. He said, you go pick that grass, and then taught him how to braid it. He said, and when I'm ready, we'll go. Obviously, he's talking about being able to burn and braid it. So he returned to that place the next day, and he made his offering of tobacco, and, and he picked enough sweet grass for a braid. And then they returned. It probably wasn't about a couple months later that that man returned to him in his dream. He said, I'll show you where to go to get all these children back, all the ones that are missing from the village, but you have to take this grass with you. Hmm. And I'll tell you how to use it when we get there. So that man started to walk west. He walked for days. He walked for days and when he got to the base of this mountain, at night, and they told him, and he, he went to bed, 
And then and again, he had this dream, and in that sweet grass, that spirit came to him again and told him, in the morning, we'll go up to that mountain. And before you go in to that cave, you burn this grass, you light it, and you shake it. And it'll protect you from everything that's in there. Hmm. But you'll find what you're looking for behind it. So he went up there and then he took some ashes from that fire and he lit his sweet grass and he went into that cave. And when he went into that cave, he heard this growl and whatnot. And then he heard, he could see the shadow, this dark figure was much taller than him and scary, but he just held that sweet grass toward it and it backed away. And as he kept his sweet grass lit, he walked toward it and he walked far enough and he backed that bad spirit up that he eventually had found the kids, hmm. all those kids, and then he took them home. So that's the one of the stories that if you go picking with me, I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, because a lot of times we don't understand the, the magnitude of something and to have those. You can buy a sweet grass off the shelf or you could uh -huh. learn those stories and have more impact. Mm -hmm. And of course, like we got told that scary story at night. So. <laughs> <clears throat> You're lost for words? I'm lost for words, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot going on in, in, in my mind right now. Mm -hmm. when, when George was talking about the sweetgrass, one of the first people that came to my mind was uh, Jerome Youngchief uh, mm -hmm. from Kihiwa. Yeah. Yeah. He always had the best braids of sweetgrass, always the best. And the best meaning that they were just perfect. They were perfect, you know, and he would come to my parents' place and he would bring them uh, sweetgrass. And uh, so you always know, you always knew a Jerome uh, sweetgrass braid because it was like you mentioned, where it was perfect. And, and you could tell that he took the time to braid that with so much love and care that it wasn't this rush thing that he did it with so much love and uh and i so i was thinking about him when you were talking jerome came to my mind so thank you for that reminder of him and uh when we were braiding like long like years ago there used to like well there still is but male and female mm -hmm. and you can see them in the braids the white ones or the the ones with that purplish pinkish hmm. they're yeah. different and years ago they used to separate them and braid only one of those colors hmm. oh, i didn't know that i didn't know that either mm -hmm. we did lots of sweetgrass picking this summer and i haven't um for a long time i remember i always remember my first time picking sweetgrass and i was young and i my dad took me out and I remember it was the tiniest, I was so proud of like the real tiny little sweet grass, but I remember just the amount of, uh, just how proud I was of it. And I came home to my mom and I was showing off to everybody, you know, this, and you know, I re remember my younger brother, Joel, he remembers that as a very vivid memory. You know, that same, uh, that same time that we went out for whatever reason um, with our dad to pick. 
And, you know, my hope too is that with our own children, you know, my girls were out with me all summer, um, that they're, you know, understanding and, and learning about that, not through just me, but, you know, with the old people that we are bringing, um, that, are, that we are being with during that. There's so much, there's so much knowledge in that, mm. for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's uh, when you're picking, it's it's not easy, is it? Mm -hmm. It's same thing as with hunting. Mm -hmm. You know, you get, you get sore muscles. You get a, you're <laughs> yeah. picking in the middle, hottest part of summer. Yeah. Sometimes you get that yeah. heat stroke. Yeah. Bees, snakes, <laughs> mosquitoes. <laughs> you know, and those, uh, I guess, those things that we would consider annoying. That's our payment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to give something right. to take. Mm. Like you, you, you skid your moose, and then Monday you felt what you gave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then in the in the summer when I'm picking, I'm like, holy cow! You, you get that heat stroke, or mm -hmm. and or it's so hot when I'm picking, I don't eat. You know, mm -hmm. I think I lost ten pounds this summer when I was picking. Mm -hmm. Wish I can go back. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, well, uh, that's what I need to do then. But uh, I, I was always taught that, you know, like sometimes when it's hard, it's you're making that payment, yeah. you know. It can't always be easy life. Yeah. You know? And that's our ceremonies too. Sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Right. The healing that happens within our ceremonies, the sacrifices that we make in our ceremonies are not easy. Mm -mm. They're not easy, but the reward that comes, you know, that feeling yeah. of finishing a ceremony, finishing a fast, finishing, you know, a Sundance, um, there's so much that comes from that mm -hmm. suffering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's so true. Like, uh, you could tell which uh, of the young people haven't fasted or Sundanced when you go to a gathering and you see like a half full bottle of water on the table, mm -hmm. you know, like you're going to leave that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you haven't, you haven't stood in line for that one little cup, <laughs> shaking, that one little cup there, eh? just licking your lips on whatever moisture you have left. Smacking you. <laughs> Real dry mouth. <laughs> and, I, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate that reminder of how, you know, and, and, you, and you just said it, that life isn't always going to be easy. And that, and I've heard so many times in so many ceremonies from so many different people around that balance of, you know, hard and easy or, or bad and good. And that, we there's always those two right and the, and it's about that balance that life's not always going to be easy and i say those things to my children often you know like my little girl she broke her ankle on saturday and you know here she is lugging around this really big cast and you know as as much as like that 12 hour day in the hospital was hard and you know and it was interesting because when she was the one thing that freaked her was the iv that was the only thing that freaked her out, was getting the IV. And I remember holding her face and looking at her and saying, my girl, I'm not going to promise you that it won't hurt. I'm not going to promise you that.
but I love you and I'm right here with you and we're going to get through it together. Instead of lying to her and telling her it's not going to hurt <laughs> because she, she needs to be prepared. Our children yeah. need to be prepared that there are going to be hardships and that things are going to hurt and that you are going to experience pain. But I'm going to be here with you for it and I'm going to be beside you, you know, when you experience that pain. And so I think about, you know, about moments like that with our children, you know, and, and reminding them that there is that balance of good and bad and that not everything is going to be easy for you, you know, but I'm going to be right here as much as I can. I'm going to be right here beside you, you know, helping you through it. Yeah, being being Nehil is hard. <laughs> it's so hard, you know. It's uh It is. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> oh yes, you just hit me yeah. hard though. You know, hard being Nehil. A lot of a lot of times uh, a lot of people think I have these things in my backyard. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and I live here in Enoch now for the last 8 years, but I travel four hours to go pick in Frog Lake for about a week in July. Okay. Week to 10 days, pick about six, maybe eight different plants there. And then I'll travel up north to my mom and dad's and, and that's about a five hour ride. Pick about five or six more things there. And then near the end of August, I go to Southern BC. And again, that's seven, eight hour ride. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize the sacrifices, like how many birthdays or barbecues I missed or events. Mm -hmm. So you could have that one, mm -hmm. one medicine or that one plant. And I always tell my kids, like, you don't know who you're helping. You know, a lot of times we could give something to someone and then they share it and we don't know where it goes, yeah. but uh, you may think uh, this this heat stroke or these mosquitoes are bad, but it's going to bless you somehow, mm -hmm. some way you're going to get help. And uh, I know, I know I said being nail is hard, but I wouldn't change what I do. Mm -hmm. Some days I, I, it does get hard, you know, like. I want to do fun things too, but if I don't do it, who's going to do it for me? And I always remind my kids that, you know, sometimes you gotta give up to get. And, you know, it's, and I think the hardest thing is picking around a job that doesn't really recognize your culture. Yeah. I gotta go on Saturday, wow. Maybe it's not ready Saturday, you know? It doesn't work to your calendar. You gotta work around the calendar of the medicine. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. That is true though. That's, that's so true, you know? And I think that <clears throat> one of our, you know, one of the first PD things that we did when I started at McEwen was, uh, was first ceremony was how are we, how am I gonna connect with the new team that I would be supervising, but going into ceremony if they chose or just to be present. Um, but the other piece was to go out onto the land and pick, you know, and, and have elders guide us in that. And, um, you know, that's always been a big part of our, our work together and our team building is, is being out on the land, picking medicines and understanding that, you know, we have to prepare for the whole year. 
for mm -hmm. our students. We're going to do this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We're going to make the sacrifices. And I remember one year it was, it was so hot. <laughs> and I think we were out in a Lexus and it was like plus 35 and it was just hot mm. and we were sweating and it was beautiful. But again, you know, we knew the sacrifices that we needed to do and, and make, you know, and we have every summer gone out as a team and made sure that, and again, sometimes it didn't work. You know, one day it was like pouring rain. So it was yeah. like, well, we can't go today. Okay, we'll go when, you know, when it's the right time. But, you know, we, we also want folks within the community and the university to know, you know, the, the time that is put in uh, to ensure that we have these medicines available for our students here on campus. And that piece around what George said around, you never know who you're gonna help. Mm -hmm. And if you think about in March when we had to shut down quick and how many of our students that I sat with in this room teaching every Monday when we'd smudge, they'd say, I miss the smudge amber. Mm -hmm. That's what I miss. Mm -hmm. I miss being able to like smell it and pray with it. And it's because of your hard work that our students got that medicine. Cause I picked some up and then they came and picked it up and they wanted to use it in their home. And so it, it, that's just a, that's a very clear example of how, like you said, you never know where that medicine's gonna go. Mm -hmm. And, and then look where it goes, you know, it goes mm -hmm. into people's homes where they needed it. Mm -hmm. You know, they really felt like, and it was something they got used to and they missed. Mm -hmm. And so that's so well, you important. see, you see all those, those mail packages, that's medicine yeah. out there going out to our students, you know, via mail, knowing that again, we're going into this, these new restrictions yeah. uh, right now, but also understanding, you know, this time of year is also difficult. For we know going into Christmas time as well with around dealing with recent losses, mm -hmm. you know, a pandemic um, and the isolation and the restrictions that are in place that, you know, people need it more than ever now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm so thankful for our team who were able to come together this week and uh, create these care packages, mm -hmm. you know, with tea and, mm -hmm. and medicine and chocolate <laughs> chocolate's medicine too chocolate's medicine chocolate's going back to your uh, your point when you're talking about land-based learning mm -hmm. or uh, culture camps mm -hmm. you know i never when i was young thought of going to my cookums as land-based learning mm -hmm. i was going to my cookums <laughs> and uh, like picking berries and doing all this stuff, sweet grass picking, sage picking. I didn't even, like I said, I didn't even know I was learning. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know where I live now in Enoch, it's a, there's a real big movement to re, reclaim culture and language. Mm -hmm. And I remember three years ago, we had gone out, we had this big Monday to Friday culture camp planned out all these speakers and all these guests were coming from all over. So we left Monday, we left, it was raining. And we got there, it didn't stop raining until Thursday night. Hmm. But, um, you know, we had people that were on council, we had all these elders and out there, it didn't care who you were. Hmm. Mm -hmm. We had to help one another because Everything was wet. Mm -hmm. There was kids out there that were ill-prepared. 
And so everyone just took care of each other for three days. Mm -hmm. And on our way home, I said that was probably the biggest teaching we got out of those three days. Yeah. It didn't matter who you were, you were helping. Yeah. You know, it was... Yeah. Sure, we didn't get to do some of the teachings, but I think mm -hmm. everyone just, I guess, getting that humble lesson. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah, and I think about, like, how... You know, I remember this one Sundance and me and my sister were just soaked. Like, just soaked. Our dresses were just soaked. And I remember at one point I looked over at her and we were laughing at each other. Because it was just, you couldn't do anything else but just laugh, you know, about it. But the way that we all took care of each other is is was a teaching. was around how we did take care of one another. But at one point I looked over at my sister and I'm like, doesn't this just remind you that you have you're this big you're upsis you're just small in the scope of of life the rain's not going to stop just because you want it to stop you know the, the sun's not going to come out just because you want it to come out you know that there's a teaching here around reminding us of how small we are and and how nothing depends on our survival nothing depends on our survival yeah, exactly. and it's a real good humbling experience as a human to know that when you're out there on the land and you know you don't have control over any of that, that you are there to learn and to pray, etc., whatever. And I thought about that, about being in the rain for three days straight. <laughs> Just so <laughs> at the end of it, I'm like, never again. <laughs> sure enough, next year, same thing. I put it out into the universe. Oh man, I must need to be humbled real good. <laughs> So as we uh, wrap up, I'm just wondering, uh, I want to leave it open to you, uh, George, if you have any uh, closing comments or last story or anything that you would like to share with our listeners. Uh, I think uh, one of the stories I'll share is around uh, buffalo grass. A lot of times we uh, get buffalo grass and horse sage mixed up. The, there's different species of uh, sage that we use out there and the one we commonly use with the, with the leaf is horse sage. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know it's horse sage because it has that leaf that looks like a horse's ear, hmm. right? And now, if you're familiar with where the buffalo had uh, lived previously when they, you know, were abundant on the prairies. If you've ever traveled to Vegas, Wyoming, or Albuquerque, you see sage, that buffalo grass, the one they use at the Sundance. Hmm. You know, the one that has no leaves. That's mm -hmm. what buffalo grass is. Mm -hmm. And before the buffalo had gone into that, the mountains, he had asked that moose, my brother, I need you to provide for these people what I did when I'm gone. So the moose agreed, but I'll always be around, the buffalo said. I'll always be around in this medicine, this buffalo grass. Wherever I lived, it will be, and they can use it for medicine. That's another one of those things that a lot of, there's a lot of misconception of what horse, sage, and buffalo grass are. 
and uh, you know it's just I wish we had more time because we didn't even talk about the relationship to the stars hmm. yet you know but well we'll bring you back <laughs> <laughs> you'll just fill up all the episodes <laughs> We have George back again. <laughs> no, and it's true. And I and I think that yeah, it, it would it yeah, we definitely need more time. And I think that um what you have shared today has been has been amazing. And I know that whoever needs to hear this will will hear this. Mm-hmm. And uh I know I needed to hear this. I need to hear it every time we have a speaker, so All right, so thank you, George. We really appreciate you uh, joining us on Two Crees in a Pod. Two Crees in a Pod. Two Crees in a Pod. Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. They pushed us to this point. Frustrations of a common man. Manifest the destiny, preach and pledge the promised land. I'm stuck between taking my journey, live with no honor. Like, what's the use of my kids? Can't taste clean water. A child born into a world, revolution's not a choice. Fighting to be heard so we make them hear our voice. Remember ancestors' anguish, lightning in our veins. Hear it in a language when they are kitchen for the rain. I am product of people that persevere persecution. Paint me so creator sees me if I go out shooting. Experience our pain when our women disappear daily. Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the wolves in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptation? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.